to have you here. We're excited about a great day in the Lord and just get to celebrate all he's going to do, not only just today, but then also this week. We're excited about it as we take some time to just give thanks to God. And you guys sang out so well. Just sounded amazing this morning. What a great job just jumping in and just singing praises to God. I'm so thankful that we have such a great God. And this week, I hope you uh, make time to be with family and loved ones. Make time just to, to thank God for all he's doing in your lives. Well, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians, not Corinthians, 1 Kings chapter number 19. 1 Kings chapter number 19. If this is your first time, there is going to be the scripture passage up on the screen or in your worship guide. And so if you want to open that up, pull that out, and we're going to dive in this morning. We are wrapping up an eight-week series that we've entitled God Is. And we're just going through what theology proper, that's the deep word of theology proper, what it all means. And we're just kind of diving down into what God is. God is love. We've talked about God is holy. We talked about that God is here in our situation. And for some of us, we would look at like, hey, where is God in all that I'm going through? Why is all this happening to me? And we learned that God is here with us. He was there when we were going through it. And he's going to be there in the future. God doesn't just say, hey, I saved you. And now good luck. The rest is up to you. No, he's with us. And so now we've studied really just kind of who God is. And we've taken eight weeks and we kind of dived down and went deep. And uh, Pastor Chris helped me with one message titled God is Holy and just a great job talking about the holiness of God. And so I just, uh, I, I'm trying to think of how to wrap it all together. And we're going to do our best this morning, okay? And uh, the message is not just, um, uh, really, when it comes to the message, you get out what you put in. And you're sitting there thinking, I'm not doing nothing. I got my coffee. I'm sitting in a comfortable seat. No, no, no. The reality is this. You're going to get out of this message what you put into this message. How you engage mentally, how you engage spiritually, that's what you're going to receive. I think sometimes we come into church and we kind of leave all this work up to the pastor to just kind of, all right, bring it to me. And, you know, I, 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 haven't, I haven't really gotten my heart ready. And we try our best to the worship. And, man, that was great music. The musicians did a tremendous job. Can we just give them a round of applause? That was just tremendous this morning. Um, and so we're doing all we can. So it's now our turn to say, how are we going to engage with what God has for us this morning? And so we're going to lock in this morning. And I hope you can have your heart ready. And, and I feel like we just need to pray right from the get-go, all right? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you. I love you. I thank you for the music, just how we can sing, how you are a good, a great God. You love us. You are here with us. You're guiding us. And you don't just leave us. You don't just abandon us in our situation. You sent your son to this earth to walk among us, to be one of us. And, and today I pray that a, a greater vision of God would be had this morning. I pray that people would be encouraged. I pray that people's minds would be focused on you as we go into this week of Thanksgiving. I pray that it wouldn't just be one day. I pray that it'd be kind of our theme for this week. We love you, and we pray your blessing on this sermon, on this message. We ask this in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. All right, 1 Kings chapter number 19, I'm going to begin in verse number 1. The Bible says, and Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them, by tomorrow about this time and when he saw that he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba which belonged to Judah and left his servants there 
But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die. Here he's running for his life. And then he's so discouraged. He's so depressed. He has one prayer for God. And that's God just, just take my life. Just, just end it. He's, he's reached the bottom of the barrel. And I think too often you and I can find ourselves in this passage. We wouldn't say it to anybody. We wouldn't speak it out loud. But there are some times where we just hit the bottom and we're just kind of like, Lord, I just want to be in heaven now. I just want to be done with the pain. I want to be done with all of it. Just just take me home now. So I think some of us, we can see the humanity in this passage that and all that Elijah is going through. Let's continue. Verse number five says, and as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, arise and eat. And he looked and behold, there was a cake baked on the coals and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and laid him down again. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. And he arose and did eat, drink, and went in the strength of that meat forty days and forty nights unto Horeb, the mount of God. And he came thither unto a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? And really, we're going to develop this whole message off of that one question that God asks of Elijah. And here's the, here, here, here's the crux of it, okay? Whenever we see a question, whenever you ask a why question, you're asking a purpose question. Whenever you come to why, you're asking the purpose, okay? So Megan, last night, why do I have to go to bed at 8.30, okay? She's really asking a purpose question, okay? The purpose is so that you get enough rest, and that's the question, okay? So whenever you and I are asking a question, we're asking a question of purpose this morning. When you are saying, God, why did my job get cut? You're asking God, what's the purpose that I got cut? Why would you do this? I don't, I don't see how this plays out. Unless you knew that, wait a minute, it's okay if I get fired because I got another better job, you know, I'm making way more, you know the purpose. But whenever you ask a why question, you're asking purpose. So when you're going through a trial, you're going through a difficulty, and you say why to God, you're asking a question of purpose. And I think too often what happens is we kind of miss how God asks us some questions about purpose too. And really, we're going to talk about this morning that God gives us our purpose, Your purpose, you didn't just come up with it on your own. God gives you your purpose. And there's a lot of people running around these days, and they're dissatisfied with life, and it's because they feel like to figure out their life's purpose is totally up to them. And so they're running around everywhere trying to figure out, hey, what is my life's purpose? Am I supposed to flip burgers for the rest of my life? Or am I supposed to work as a construction worker for the rest of my life? What is my life's purpose? And you're going through these questions. It's a question of purpose this morning. And I want us to come down to this point that God, we don't have any meaningful purpose without God. That God gives us our meaningful purpose. That's why there's a lot of people, they'll make a ton of money. They'll have great success, but they'll still commit suicide. They're still on antidepressants. They're still just as, uh, their life just doesn't matter as much to them. They just don't care. It doesn't have all the happiness they thought it would have. Because without God, we have no meaningful purpose. And for some in this room, that's a big question for you because you've been struggling. Why is life not satisfying? Why am I not enjoying life like I should? And it's because you've missed out that God gives you meaningful purpose. Why is it that Elijah is now at the point where he's depressed and he wants to commit suicide? He walked away from his purpose. That's why. 
When you and I stray from our purpose, trust me, folks, it's going to get real empty and real hollow. And we're going to say, something's missing. Something's wrong. I'm depressed. I'm discouraged. And here, God asks him this question. What are you doing here, Elijah? He's asking this question of purpose. He's saying, you missed it. And I love it. I love it. Get this, okay? We, we look at the Bible, and, and if you've come to South Virginia length of time, I always say this. Stop looking at the Bible the way you've always heard it preached. I, engage your mind in how you would word this, okay? So there's a lot of ways you could word this question, okay? Let me modernize it. Basically, what God is saying here is, what are you doing here, Elijah? That's what God's saying, okay? So we could put all kinds of emphasis. You could say like this. God could have said, put the emphasis on this. What are you doing here? Changes the meaning of the sentence, doesn't it? Or what about this one? What about this one? What are you doing here? Changes the meaning of the sentence, doesn't it? The emphasis is on you. Like, 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 get this. Like, it's like God saying, Elijah, I understand somebody else, but you are the prophet of God. What are you doing here? And maybe some of this, you found yourself in a situation this week, and the Holy Spirit spoke to you and said, what are you doing in this situation? And that's what God is doing. God is saying, this isn't your purpose. I give you your purpose, and you've missed it. And here, you could even change it. You could say, um, Elijah, what are you doing here? Here of all places. You see, when you add the emphasis on a different word, it totally changes the meaning of the sentence. You see how God is speaking in a loving way? You see how God is calling Elijah back to his purpose? And for some of you, that's what you need this morning. You need to be called back to something. The title I've given this message is God is Purpose Giver. But if I had to give it a subtitle, It'd be this, and you can write this down in your notes. Don't ditch your destiny. Don't ditch your destiny. Here Elijah is running not for his life. He's not running for his life. He's running from his life. And that's some of you this morning. God has called you for a great purpose, and you're running. You're running. You're on the run. Teenager, you're on the run. God is calling you. Single adult, God is calling you. A parent, God is calling you and God is speaking to you. And it's not Jezebel that you're afraid of. If, and it's not death that Elijah was afraid of, okay? Because if he wanted to die, he could have just stayed and Jezebel would have taken care of that, couldn't she have? So he really didn't want to die. He was running from his life. And can I tell you this? Whenever God does call you to do something, it is going to scare you. There is going to be some fear. There is going to be, do I really step out in that new job? I mean, when God calls you to something great, don't kid yourself to think that, oh, I will step up to the challenge. It's not going to be a problem for me. No, it's going to scare the bejesus out of you. You're going to be like, I can't believe God called me to do this. This is way beyond me. Of course it's way beyond you because God is calling you to greater dependence on him. And you've got to come back to that. God is calling you back to your purpose because God is giving you purpose. So this morning, don't ditch your destiny. There's a lot of people, they, they deal with success in different ways. And some people, they deal with their life in a different way. And some people, they're just at a survival level of living. That's, that, that's it. They're just surviving life. Is that you this morning? You're just surviving, just going through life, just kind of, I just got to make it through. Just got to make it through till Wednesday. And then I get a nice long weekend and I can be grouchy in front of the TV and somebody can feed me turkey and I'm just going to sit there and be grouchy and pretend I'm thankful. I just got to make it through. Some of you, man, I just got I just, I just to make it through Black Friday. You know, all those angry shoppers could be at my store and I just got to make it through. You're just surviving life. You're not thriving. But then some of you, you're successful. You really are. Life is successful. But it's not significant. 
because you've missed that God gives us our meaning, our purpose. So without God, we have no meaningful purpose. Notice this. Next, our purpose is to fulfill the intent of our design. You see, God gives your purpose, but then God also said, hey, I have a purpose, and it's for you to fulfill the intent of your design. See, the Bible says in um, uh, uh, Psalms 119, or, or yeah, Psalms 109, 119, I'm getting it confused. But it says, thou art fearfully and wonderfully made. See, God created you, God made you with a specific purpose. Imagine the sound equipment if it could talk. I know that's ludicrous, I know it's crazy. And imagine if I took some water bottle, I've got my water bottle right over here, and the sound equipment could talk to me, and the sound equipment that cost us $5,000 said, hey, pour that water on me. I want to go swimming. I need a shower. So imagine if I just took it. I'm not going to do it. It costs $5,000. But imagine the electrical circuit says, I've never had water before. I really want water. It would be abusing the intent of its design, wouldn't it? It would destroy it. Someone's wisely said, Where purpose is not known, abuse will follow. Where purpose is not known, abuse will follow. Illustration. My son thinks our couches are his jungle gym. He thinks the little armrests on the couch are horses and zebras and dinosaurs. Where purpose is not known, abuse will follow. Why do you think we have a generation that says, hey, sex out of marriage is fine? Where purpose is not known, abuse will follow. Why do you think we have a whole generation that just says, hey, drugs, who cares? Where purpose is not known, they're going to ruin their lives. You see, when we don't understand the purpose of our life, man, we're going to mess things up here. And God says, hey, not only do I give you purpose, not only did I give you purpose of your life, but it's for the intent of your design. See, God says, hey, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. I made you. Matter of fact, he spoke to the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter number one. He said, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. Saying, I knew the intent, I knew your purpose, I knew what dreams, what callings I had for you. So as you're looking at your life, whatever your age, God is saying, I made you for a specific purpose. So don't ditch your destiny. He's talking to Elijah, and I think this morning he's talking to you, and he's saying, you're about to give up, and the holiday season is stressful. I know for kids, they love it, but for some of us adults, it's actually kind of a rough time. It's not all that easy. You might have to work longer hours as your boss takes that vacation to Hawaii every year. And you might have more stress because of the holiday. And you might have more stress because the kids are sick because you got all these projects and, and Christmas stuff and you got to make 12 dozen cookies tonight before school tomorrow. And you're just like, I'm pulling my hair out and the holidays aren't all that joyful for you. And it's all because you're just missing one thing that God has purpose for you. That God is something great. Don't ditch it this morning. God has a specific intent for your design. God is speaking to Elijah and he's saying, Elijah, you are the prophet of God. You called down fire from heaven. Don't you think I can take care of this lady? Don't you think I can protect you in this situation? But here, he has missed it. You see, when purpose is not known, abuse is inevitable. Sadly, that's where some of us are. You don't even understand how, how when you get off track, how it affects you. Some people don't understand how sin really affects our soul. For some of you, you wonder why you're discouraged and you're depressed because you don't know just how much sin does affect you. God created you, so he knows how, how much that sin affects you. Imagine if I were to invent this crazy invention, and then the invention comes to me and says, what is my purpose? And I said, I invented you. You make up your own purpose. Imagine you'd be like, what? How am I supposed to do that? And we even do it with our children, don't we? What do you want to be? 
Well, if you ask Megan, she wants to be a doctor. No, and you say, well, that's great. Yeah, foster that. Wait a minute, hold on. Character, competency, charisma needs to be in that mix. There are certain things. Megan's never going to be certain things, and I'm not going to tell her, you can be anything. No, I'm going to tell her, what does God want you to be? The intent, you have a specific intent of your design, and that's where you're going to fulfill your true purpose. That's where you're going to find your sweet spot, your joy, and your peace. Elijah, when he was in a sweet spot on Mount Carmel, when he was doing what God had called him to do, there was no, no, no fear, even though he was surrounded by 800 false prophets. He stood up and he faced them down. 800 false prophets. And he had no fear because he knew I'm right in the center of what God is for me. So the intent of our design Are you fulfilling the intent of your design? You see, you can give yourself a purpose, but it won't be in line with your grand design. And that's what a lot of people do. They just, I'll just come up with my purpose. I'll just come up with what I want to do. And we wonder why today we have people that go to college and they'll spend years and years transferring majors because they don't know. And we've told them, just be whatever you want to be. I'm sorry. I'm never going to be an NBA basketball player. It's just not going to happen. I've accepted that. A long time ago in junior high, I just knew it's not going to happen. Vertically challenged, okay? I'm not going to be a rock star. You're never going to see me on, on American Idol or The Voice. You're just, it's not going to happen. Thank God that this speaker isn't on when I'm singing worship, okay? I promise you, you wouldn't stick around at this church. It's not pretty. There's a reason I'm not up here, okay? And there's a reason why I can't sing. And I know that, so I can't be anything, but I can be, and I can't fulfill my grand design. I'm not, dem- I'm not lowering what God has for you. I'm trying to elevate what God's true purpose is for you and seek what God has. You see, Matthew 6, says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. As you seek God, God, what do you have for me? And then God directs you, and you find joy and peace there. See, our purpose is to fulfill the intent of our design. My purpose was given to me, but my purpose is not about me, Christian. And a lot of times we feel like God's given me this gift and we abuse the gift that God has given us. I've got a message coming up and we're going to use it around Christmas. I'm going to call it Regift It. Regift It. And I'm giving you a little teaser for the holidays, Regift It, because we're all guilty of it. And don't lie. Don't lie. You like you've never gotten a gift and you just wrapped it up and said, yeah, granny would love this. I don't know what this is. It smells funny. So granny will love this. Or I got a brother-in-law that I don't like and this would be perfect for him. We've all regifted something. See, God has put with inside of you special gifts. They're called spiritual gifts. What happens is we don't gift them. We don't give them away. We don't re-gift it. And God has blessed you with spiritual gifts. And for some of you, you're just sitting on your gift, doing jack squat with it. And God has given you a grand design, and that's to use your gifting to re-gift it. And we want to get involved. That's why we have greeter teams. That's why we have ministry opportunities. That's why we have opportunities to serve and get involved. And that's why we do community outreach events. It's because we want to take our gifts that God has given us and say, I'm not just going to hold on to it and sit on it or bury it like the parable. I'm going to use this gift for God's glory. I'm going to use it for what God has given me. I don't want to waste the gift. I'm going to re-gift it. Because your purpose, it's given to me, but it's not about me it's about him and that leads us into our next point see the intent of our design isn't just that we be a great engineer a great doctor a great worker a great husband great mother great brother great sister great relative the intent the true intent of your design is to glorify your designer the bible says in first corinthians 10 31 whether you eat or drink some of the most basic 
task in life, eating and drinking. Everybody does it. You have to. Otherwise, you don't make it. Eating and drinking. God says, in the most basic task, glorify me. The reason he says those two is not because that's the only thing you can really glorify God. He's saying, in everything. Here's the most basic. So in everything, glorify me. The intent of your design is to glorify God. Do all to the glory of God. So whatever your job is, you're not doing it for the boss. You can look at the boss and the boss compliments and say, did a good job. You say, yeah, hey, I'm glad you're happy with it, but I'm not really doing it for you. Oh, you're doing it for the CEO? You're trying to go and end around me? No, no, no. I, I, I serve a, a, a higher power. I serve God. I do a good job. I raise these children, and I teach them, and I train them, and I involve myself in the church because I want to glorify God because the intent of my design is to bring glory to God. Some people mistakenly believe that because we don't have to do anything to be valuable means that we don't have to do anything, period. And for some of you, you you miss the fact that God says, wait a minute, I want you to use your gift to bring me glory. Don't just sit on it. Do something with it. But I want you to see the greater the creation, the greater potential. You have great potential to do great things for God. Great potential. And here's where we're going to do something kind of unique. I'm almost going to wrap two messages in one, okay? I went through the first three points rather quickly, but now we're going to kind of get going here in just a minute. You see, the greater the creation, the greater potential. When we had Megan and Austin, we don't go and tell them, hey, Austin, our highest hopes for you is that you will be the best at Xbox 360 and anybody in the world. We just want you to stay home the rest of your life. We want you to have your room. We'll put a mini fridge in there. We'll put a microwave in there. We just want you to stay home. That, that's our goal for you. Kidding me? No, 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 no. Man, if at 17 and a half I could kick him out, I would be kicking him out, okay? I mean, I'm telling you what. It's one of those things where we've got plans for him. No, you're going to college. You're going to get a job, and you're going to support me, okay? You're going to build a house for me. This is how it's going to go, okay? And then for Megan. Megan, you're going to go to school. You're going to get good grades. You're going to go to a good college, and you're going to find God's will for your life and find God's spouse for you. And you're going to go off, and you're going to fulfill the intent of your design. We have a plan for him. But sometimes we have greater plans for something else aside from ourselves. You see, God says you have a life, a gift. Don't ditch your destiny. Here is Elijah. He's running from God's will for him. He's running from it because why? He's scared of it. He's afraid of all that God's asking him to do. And I'm telling you this morning, don't ditch your destiny because God's purpose for you is bigger than your past. You say he's running from the life that's in the past is what he's running from. And some of you, that's exactly what you're running from. The life that you lived in the past, you're running from it. There's something that happened, and you're running from that. And you just feel like, I just got to stay ahead of my past. I got to pick up and move. I got to do something else because I just got to stay ahead of my past because I can't let my past catch up to me. And I'm telling you what this morning, that God's purpose for you is bigger than your past. And for some of you, you're just a stranglehold with your past. Elijah is running from his past. That's what he's running from. All that he did for God. He's running from that. Says, I don't want anything else to do with it. And here God is calling him back to that. Some of you may or may not know that elephants, when they're trained, uh, when they're very young, uh, the trainer will tie the elephant, just a simple stake in the ground and a nice heavy rope, okay? And that baby elephant, as it tries to tug and get away, it can't. It's, it's too, the, the rope is too strong, so it can't get free. And as the elephant grows, you would think, well, as the elephant gets stronger, the rope has to get bigger, correct? No. 
Matter of fact, the rope actually gets a little bit smaller to the point that they just kind of take a full-grown adult elephant. They just wrap it around a little stake, and it just stays there because it learned a long time ago that I can't break that rope and I can't move. And they are chained down to something so small and insignificant. And for some of you, you are looking at your past as this stranglehold on your life that you can never break free from. You just feel like, it's too big. It's too huge. If you knew what I had done. Is it worse than the Apostle Paul? Probably not. Probably not. Is it worse than Moses? Probably not. Let me, what about this guy? Is it worse than David? A murderer. Mm. Immoral. Worse than him? Man after God's own heart, the Bible says. So some of you, you look at your past as it's so gross, it's so horrible. And some of the times when you talk to somebody about, you're kind of shocked as you talk to anybody at Southridge, you may share a little bit of your story. You're shocked that they don't look at you differently. Matter of fact, they just kind of open up and say, oh yeah, not to go one better, but here's what I've done. Not glory in my situation, but I'm just as messed up as you are. We're just a church of messed up people, but we're not running from our past. We've been forgiven of our past. Here's what's, here's what's powerful I learned this week, and this is awesome. I read this verse, and i got to read it to you because I've never seen it until I saw it like this, okay? Psalms 103, verse 10, it says, He has not dealt with us after our own sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our sins from us. Not from him, from us. I always thought of that passage like God got, got our sins as far away from him as possible. He got your sins as far away from you as possible. So who's going back to the sin? God says, I removed it. You're going back to it. God says, I removed that sin from you. That junk doesn't belong with you anymore. As far as the east is from the west, I took that and I said, that can't be around you because I know it'll hold you back. I know it'll limit your purpose. I know it'll cause all kinds of problems. God says, from you, I put it from you. And some of you are digging it up. Some of you walked in here with like imaginary backpacks full of junk and crap that you just brought in all this junk and you're just like, woe is me. I can never do anything great for God because I got all this baggage. No, you don't. God says, I removed that from you as far as the east is from the west. So God says, your purpose is bigger, greater than your past. Notice this. God's purpose for you is greater than the problem. Some of you, you're like, oh, man, I got a big problem. See, God's purpose for you is greater than your problem. But I want to remind you, there's more in front of you than behind you. Some of you, you're looking at your life and you're saying, hey, the best days are behind me, not in front of me. And I, and, and I would argue using scripture to say that God is never, a life is never wasted. Whenever you say, I'm going to come back to God and I'm going to surrender my life to God, God says, okay, I'll use you to do great and mighty things. Because there's more in front of you than behind you. Moses was 80 years old when he got started. Noah was 120 by the time he built the ark. You can go on and on about all these characters. Abraham, by the time he had his fourth son, was 84 years old. You see, God will use you no matter where you're at. The moment you say, God, I'm ready. I'm done running. God is right there. I heard this week and somebody wisely said, and it encouraged me. God is no farther from you than a prayer. And some of you, you feel like God is like, from here to Mars from me, maybe even further, not even in this galaxy. But God is no farther from you than one prayer, one prayer this morning. So wherever you feel like you're at, 
Wherever you feel like, man, these holidays aren't going to be that great. I'm missing so-and-so, and my job's not going all that well, and I just discouraged, and I just feel like that's affecting me spiritually, and I'm away from God. I haven't read my Bible in a long time. I don't really read it. I don't really pray. I don't really sing worship to God anymore. I'm just, just spiritually in this funk. I'm just kind of dead inside. One prayer. You don't have to come in here and crawl on your hands and knees and shed tears and, and, and lift your hands. God said just one prayer is all it takes. You don't have to give a million dollars. You don't have to, have to get on TV or anything. God says one prayer, and we restore fellowship. You see, when we give our lives to God, we are opening ourselves up to unlimited potential of our design. There is unlimited, unlimited potential in your design. God designed you to do some great things for him. And when you say, God, I'm just going to give myself to you, God says, all right, now we can get to work. Now we can do some great stuff. A lot of people look at Elijah as he's now at the twilight years of his ministry. As if, man, Mount Carmel was the apex of your ministry, and it was an awesome event. But wait a minute. There's so much more. We've got to continue this passage. We're wrapping things up here, folks. But notice at the end of this passage, okay? Verse number, let's start in verse number 19. So he departed after he had this conversation with God. This is Elijah. So he departed and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him. And he with the 12th, and Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah. I want you to see God's purpose for you is better than your plans. His plan was to commit suicide. His plan was to not run for his life, but to run from his life. And God says, my plan for you, Elijah, and your best days aren't behind you. Your best days actually in front of you because you're going to anoint a guy in the field with a yoke of oxen. He's got dirt on him. He's been staring at ox rears for the past rest and most of his life. You're going to go to that guy in the middle of that field with 12 yoke of oxen, and you're going to take your mantle, and you're going to put on that guy because that guy is going to ask for a double portion of your spirit. And he's not just going to do more than you did. He's going to do twice more than you ever did. That's going to be Elisha. That's the guy that you're going to anoint. I've got a purpose for you, Elijah. So don't ditch your destiny here in this cave. Don't leave it here because you've got an Elisha that you've got to go and meet. And Elisha does some incredible things for God. Elisha anoints kings. Elisha, when he's dead, he's dead. His bones are dried and brittle. A bandit falls on his bones and resurrects. That's Elisha. And God said, Elijah, don't quit here because you're going to anoint Elisha. You've got a job to do. God's got a plan for you. So don't ditch your destiny. Touch somebody next to you. Touch the chair next to you and say, don't ditch your destiny this morning. Don't give up on it. Don't walk away from it because God has something for you. And our little church believes that God has something for us. And don't give up yet. Don't walk out of here just thinking, well, that was a good little sermon that. Well, that was kind of nice. And I guess we'll just go home and have us some turkey this week. That was great. Maybe listen to the podcast. Hear it again. Listen to that squeaky voice. Why, preacher? Come on. Do something with this message. Take these truths and say, God, I'm Elijah right now. I'm the guy in the cave, and I got to get my head on straight. We don't got time, but I got to go to this passage, okay? Uh, Later on in the life of Elijah, Elisha, the Bible says that Elisha becomes this great man of God, and God uses him in an incredible way. And I don't have time to go there because we've got to wrap things up. But God uses Elijah to anoint Elisha. And Elisha, at the end of his ministry, he has some preachers, they're prophets that he's training and ministering. And one's 
cutting down a tree and the axe head falls in a river. And it kind of sounds like kind of a dumb miracle, but the, the young prophet comes to Elisha and says, uh, Elisha, I lost this axe head, and it was borrowed, and I don't know where it's at. It's in this river. And back then, it wasn't like, oh, axe head's easy to find. No, they were expensive. And so Elisha gets a stick, and he throws it in there. And the Bible says this metal iron axe head begins to swim up to the surface, and he reaches down and gets it. And I like that whole passage because it reminds me that I can always get back my cutting edge. And some of you, you've lost your cutting edge this morning. It's fallen. And for some of you, you need that cutting edge back. Some of you, your marriage is dry and dusty, and you're like, I just need that cutting edge. Some of you, you see your wife, and instead of getting excited, oh, baby, you're like, oh, baby. There's no fire there. Some of you get to your job, and you're just like, I did not have enough coffee. They have this triple venti thing, and some of you, you're like, yeah, I just drink that, you know, and it still doesn't do anything because you've lost your edge. Spiritually, you've lost your edge. Physically, you've lost your edge. At church, you've lost your edge. You're just kind of just sit here and just kind of whatever. But God says, no, 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 no. Let's get back that edge. Don't ditch that destiny. God's got something for you this morning, church. Oh, we got so much more to say. There's so much here. And the word of God good? Isn't it good, folks? Amen. Let's pray.